1: Darren Pritchett.
2: Well, good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're having a terrific Friday, November the 11th of 2022, and it's time to start another Budweiser's weekday sports speed here on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We've got Notre Dame football right here on WSBT Radio tomorrow, early start, noon kickoff from Baltimore, Maryland. The annual matchup between the Fighting Irish and the Midshipmen from the United States Naval Academy. Once again, noon kickoff. Our pregame coverage starts at 6 a.m. with the Marcus Freeman Radio Show. Jim Irizarry, Tim Growl have game day presented by Legacy Heating and Air. That's the Notre Dame interview show from 7 until 9. Blue and Gold's Tyler Horka and I have game day sports be powered by of Ultra from 9 to 11. Tyler will be broadcasting live from Baltimore to offer a little perspective from the site of the Notre Dame Navy matchup. After the noon kickoff, and the game is over, Jim comes back with Reggie Brooks for the official Notre Dame football post-game show here on WSBT Radio. It's kind of nice. I like these noon kickoffs. Maybe you as a fan, you watch your team play and you get the rest of the day to do whatever, maybe you watch more college football. But from a media standpoint, let me tell you, we all love these noon starts, especially when you have a hockey game later that night. Notre Dame Hockey, number 18 in the country, taking on number three Michigan tonight at the Compton Family Ice Arena. That's where I'm located tonight, broadcasting Budweiser's weekday sports beat. It is a 7.35 opening faceoff tonight between the Irish and the Maize and Blue, and then we'll try it again tomorrow. It'll be an earlier start at 6.05. Both games can be heard on the Notre Dame Radio Network, which includes right here in South Bend on our sister station, Quality Rock, 94.3 FM. Michigan number one in the country in goal scoring, averaging 4.60 goals per game. They have four NHL first-round picks on their roster, and we will see three of those four tonight. The other is injured right now, but still plenty of firepower on this Michigan hockey team. Notre Dame, they are scratching and clawing, trying to score goals right now. Notre Dame has scored two goals over the last 194 minutes and 40 seconds. That covers the last three games in the last nine minutes and 40 seconds of the game against Michigan State back on October the 28th. So Notre Dame, the last three games, one goal, one goal, no goals. So some work to be done. You fall behind against Michigan with the way the offense has been lately. It feels like it's going to be an uphill battle. The good news is Notre Dame went 4-0 and in the regular season against Michigan last year. Michigan was a frozen four team. The Wolverines got the Irish in the Big Ten Tournament semifinals at Yost, 2-1. One. So, one of the great matchups in college hockey right here tonight. Notre Dame and Michigan. I think a few tickets are still available for tonight's game if you'd like to come on out to Lefty Smith Rink. Otherwise, by gala, we got the game on Quality Rock, 94.3 FM. This is Prediction Friday as we Get set for tomorrow's Notre Dame football game. We've got our Twitter question of the day coming up. Patrick Engel, who covers the Fighting Irish for Blue and Gold Illustrated, read his work at blueandgold.com. He joins the program in 20 minutes at 5:30. We have the top five ways the Notre Dame Clemson, the Notre Dame Navy game will play out tomorrow. Excuse me. We'll take a look back at a very interesting Notre Dame men's basketball season opener last night at Purcell Pavilion. The Irish rallied to beat Radford 79 to 76 they were down nine in the second half wasn't looking good at one point but Notre Dame got the job done against an older Radford team that almost beat Marquette in their opener that's a pretty good team for mid-major status the Irish got out of Dodge with a six-man rotation and they are 1-0 heading into the matchup with Youngstown State on Sunday, so we'll talk about the Irish win and hear from Mike Bray coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. Also, sports wagering segment coming up in the 6 o'clock hour here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. But right now, let's officially get the program started with our first pitch segment. The first pitch
1: of the, first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Of Into the windup and his first offering. Just a bit outside.
2: He tried the corner and missed. All right, my Jacob DeGrom 100 mile an hour first pitch is a whole bunch of predictions for the Notre Dame Navy game tomorrow in Baltimore. Let's start with our advantage game where we take a look at the matchup in six different perspectives. We'll start when the United States Naval Academy runs the football. And by the way, before I forget, happy Veterans Day to all our veterans out there. Thank you so much for all you have sacrificed for all our veterans and active serving personnel. We thank you so much for what you do on a daily basis. So happy Veterans Day to everyone out there. All right. When Navy runs the football... The midshipmen a couple of years ago averaged 360 rushing yards per game. That was during an 11-win season. The running game has not been that good the last few years. This year, they're a whole lot better than what they were at the start of the year. But right now, Navy, with that triple option attack, averaging 236.9 yards per game. That is still number nine in the country. The Notre Dame defense. Tell you what, me in particular have spent so much time talking about how improved the Irish run game is. You know, the run defense is doing equally great things. The Notre Dame run defense is now down to 35th in the country, giving up just 125.2 yards per game. That is an awfully good combination, running the ball at will and stopping the run. That has a lot to do with winning six of your last seven. So who has the advantage when these two match up? I'll see this. Ty Lavatai, the quarterback for Navy, is not as explosive as some of the Navy quarterbacks we have seen through the years. When you've got that dangerous quarterback, this Navy team can be awfully hard to handle. But he's only averaging 3.3 yards per carry this year. You know you're going to get full batch of that fullback. The old fullback dive play is going to be something Notre Dame will have to stop. But I just don't believe this Navy offense is going to be as explosive as some of the ones we have seen through the years. Now keep in mind, Navy only scored six against Marcus Freeman's defense last year at Notre Dame Stadium. Al Golden has brought some of his principles in stopping the triple option to this experienced Notre Dame coaching staff. So when you add Golden and Freeman together, you feel like Notre Dame's gonna have a good plan tomorrow. But this is what Navy does running the football. This is not a negative as I say this. I've got to give the advantage to Navy because they can run the ball effectively. I think Notre Dame's going to do a really good job of containing them, but when you look at the numbers and the overall way the game will play out, I'll give a slight advantage to Navy. If they can't run the football, it's going to be a long day for the midshipmen. Now, when Navy throws the football, we say advantage Notre Dame every year. It's not like they ever have Dan Marino back there throwing the football they don't want to throw the football if they throw it one or two times and those are not throws where they're just trying to complete a pass they're trying to burn you and make a big play one of those 50 60 yard touchdown passes looking back at last year they went through it three times scoring six points even though they fell behind early to the fighting Irish and lost the game 34-6 34-6 they didn't throw it a whole lot and I see a couple of times this year they've thrown it 20 times in the game trying to catch up but Notre Dame's pass efficiency defense is 42 Navy's pass efficiency offense no surprise at 107 they're not going to throw very much advantage Notre Dame Our advantage game moves on to now when the Fighting Irish have the football, and when Notre Dame runs the football, they are up to 28th in the country at 195 yards per game. In September, they were in the 90s, if not the 100s, and running the football, but now 28th in the country at 195 yards per game. Navy has stopped the run very, very well this year. Marcus Freeman has talked about movement by Navy trying to disrupt the opposing offensive line. Navy replaced Clemson as the number seven run defense this week, giving up 88 yards per game. Over 240 yards later, Clemson is no longer number seven after Notre Dame's offense got through with them. Hey, advantage Notre Dame here. When you look at the way this offensive line is moving people at this time, Navy can do all the tricks they want. Physicality has been winning out for the Fighting Irish And let me tell you what, physicality travels. I like Notre Dame to run the football effectively. In fact, we'll get to that in a couple of moments. I think it's going to be more of the same for the Fighting Irish tomorrow in Baltimore. Advantage, Notre Dame when they run the football. How about when Notre Dame throws the football? This is always complicated. Based on the last four games, Notre Dame at 49% completion percentage. Notre Dame's pass-efficiency offense has dropped 33 spots during that four-game stretch. They're now 73rd in the country. Notre Dame's pass-efficiency defense near the bottom of the country out of 131 teams. The midshipmen are 123. Is this a day where Drew Pine and the passing offense gets healthy against a weak Navy pass defense? I'm not gonna say they're gonna be cured, but I think there is a chance for Pine to have some success in this game, and I think he will have some success. I'm not gonna throw out 20 of 24, but I think this is a game that Drew can end up around 58, 60% throwing the football. There's a chance of that. I have him a little lower than that in my prediction, but I think with Navy, you know they're gonna be trying to stop the run there's going to be some opportunity. So despite what we've seen the last four weeks, I'll give the advantage to Notre Dame when they attempt to throw the football against the midshipmen. Special teams, I would be a fool not to pick Notre Dame based on what Brian Mason has been doing, in particular with the punt block squad. A punt block in four straight, six of the season. Hey, let's go advantage Notre Dame on special teams. We might see Matt Salerno returning punts for the Irish with, Brandon Joseph's status listed as doubtful with an ankle injury finally intangibles I'm giving Notre Dame that advantage they want to keep winning good vibe right now in the Goog. they've won 6 of 7 playing physical football on both sides of the ball you know what you keep this winning streak alive and I'd like that heading to the Coliseum against USC at the end of the month. It would be really cool to see this football team that started 0-2 head to the Coliseum with a record of 8-3 and a chance to wreck USC's playoff chances. Now, USC plays tonight at home against a bad Colorado team that's actually playing better since they fired their coach. But in between Colorado and Notre Dame is that trip to the Rose Bowl to take on number 12, UCLA. So UCLA could wreck USC's playoff hopes the week before Notre Dame gets there. But if the Trojans get by the Bruins, then Notre Dame has a chance to play a little spoiler, I guess, at least for USC's playoff hopes. But intangibles, I'll give it to Notre Dame. I'm a little worried about the first quarter. I'm hoping Notre Dame comes off the football quickly. They play a great first quarter. If that's the case, they're going to be fine. You just don't want Navy hanging around. A sleepy start makes me awfully nervous against this Navy football team that can really speed up the game where possessions kind of get taken away from you if they have success running the football. So the only advantage Navy has is when they run the football, otherwise Advantage Notre Dame when Navy throws it, Notre Dame runs it, Notre Dame throws it, special teams and intangibles. Now game predictions. I think the Irish will have the lead at halftime. That's something some people wager on. I've got Notre Dame over 200 rushing yards again, 40 for 215, 5.3 yards per carry with three rushing touchdowns. I've got Logan Diggs, 17 carries for 105 at a score. Audric Estime, 15 rushes, 85 yards, two touchdowns. I've got Drew Pine, 8 of 15 for 121 at a touchdown. Half of the catches belong to Michael Mayer, 4 for 45 at a score. And I've got Lorenzo Styles breaking free with at least one big play in this game, 2 for 67. Navy rushing the football, I think kind of similar to what we saw last year. 52 carries for 171. That's 3.2 yards per carry with a touchdown. And I've got Navy throwing it two times. Actually, let me correct myself. Navy throwing it. Four times, completing two for 41 yards. I've got the leading tackler for Notre Dame, JD Bertrand, with 12. The spread is 15, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. If you take Navy plus 15, you get that at minus 115. Notre Dame at minus 15, at minus 105. The over under right now at 39 and a half. Whichever way you go, you get that at minus. 110. We'll make a final score prediction at the end of this hour with our My5 question of the day, but I'm a heavy lean toward that Marcus Freeman football team. Here comes our Twitter question of the day. Yesterday I asked you, as a Notre Dame fan, do you look at the Navy game differently compared to other opponents? My thinking was this is the United States Naval Academy we have so much respect for our military, some of our future leaders and protectors are going to be on the football field. So do you have a little bit of a soft spot in your heart for Navy when they take on the Fighting Irish? Figured that would be a nice question to ask with Veterans Day being today. Well, <laughs> we may love them, but you still want to see Notre Dame blow them out because 85% said the heck with foul that. Emotional stuff, Darren. We want Notre Dame to win easily against the midshipmen. That's 85% of the vote. Only 15% said Notre Dame wins, but a competitive game out of respect to the opponent, the United States Naval Academy. So there you go. You're just hoping for a blowout tomorrow. Today's question, which was posted earlier on my Twitter account, at 960sportsbeat. What outright spread combination will be the end result of the Notre Dame Navy game? Here are your three choices. Again, Notre Dame favored by 15. Choice number one Notre Dame wins the game outright, and the Irish cover the 15 point spread. Earlier this week, it was 17 or 17 and a half. So some folks have wagered it down to 15. Choice number two, Notre Dame wins the game outright, but Navy covers the 15. And finally, Navy pulls off the upset. They win the game outright. Which direction are you going? We'd love for you to vote on my Twitter account at 960 SportsBeat. What will be the correct outright spread combination? Notre Dame favored by 15. Notre Dame wins, Notre Dame covers, or Notre Dame wins, Navy covers, or the big upset, Navy wins outright. We thank you so much for voting in advance. Budweiser's Weekday sports be brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Edward Jones, making sense of investing, contact Eric Yetterberg in South Bend or Matt Stem Tim Grau, State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. By South Bend Orthopedics. Team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt. Don't shop for new beginnings. Have happy endings. We're also brought to you in part by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location, on Lincoln Way. In the Twin Branch area, now open for carryouts, Barnaby's The Family Inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. By Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Legacy, Heating and Air, Cook Family Business, Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience, and the Mishawaka Education Foundation granting a better future. Go Cayman, beat Snyder tonight. It is 5:26 on this Friday evening. Coming up next, more on Notre Dame Navy. We bring aboard Blue and Gold Illustrated's Patrick Engel. Thanks for joining me on this Friday. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish and tomorrow's Notre Dame Navy game, which kicks off at noon on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Much sports continues on 960 AM WSBT. Our home for Notre Dame Navy tomorrow at noon. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett from Notre Dame's Compton Family Ice Arena. Where tonight we've got some college hockey on our sister station, Quality Rock 94.3 FM, number 18. Notre Dame hosting number three Michigan in the first of a two-game Big Ten Conference series. Let's dig a little deeper into Notre Dame Navy as we're joined by Patrick Engel, Notre Dame football writer, covers the Fighting Irish basketball team for Blue and Gold Illustrated. You can read his work at blueandgold.com, and he joins me here on WSBT Radio for a little Friday conversation. Patrick, how are you this evening?
3: Doing great, Darren. Thanks for having me.
2: You bet. Thank you so much for your time. I'm going to... Jump into basketball really quick before we go to football. Very interesting game last night. Radford's a very good mid-major basketball team, an older squad, and they had Notre Dame on the ropes. They were up by nine in the second half before Notre Dame rallied to win the basketball game, 79-76. to We saw Notre Dame really struggle with the pick and roll. In that game, I think they got better as the game went on. And Mike Braven mentioned the coaching staff might have to be a little better in putting their guys in a better position on the defensive end. I almost felt like sometimes, Patrick, they are so right now in a spot to have a, a small bench where they may only play six, at the most, seven guys that they don't want to get into foul trouble early on in the ballgame. And that might have led to, I thought, a little hesitation on the defensive end. What was kind of your takeaway of the, the Notre Dame defense in that game against the Highlanders?
3: Yeah, I think it kind of had a, a, a lot to, or at least in, in some capacity to do with the fact that they only had six guys because Marcus Hammond, the, the grad transfer from Niagara, who Mike Ray called do the first half of preseason practice, probably Notre Dame's fast guard. So it was going to be six all the way. No real consideration of uh, getting a seventh guy in there, even for, a minute, for, for better or worse, and not really a place you think of many teams being on opening night, but yeah. that's where they've kind of decided to live. And I think maybe the not wanting to get in foul trouble early was part of the reason that they... Went to that uh, one-three-one zone there for a lot of the first half, and I think you saw a lot of uh, Radford hang around there in the first half, and then early in the second half, really build that lead because they really get threes against that zone. And um, eventually, that was going to be the thing that you know that could have buried Notre Dame if I kept down even longer. Like you know, if you're trailing, the last thing you want to be doing is giving up threes. And um, well, so I think in some ways the you know, you go back to man, and then you start switching everything, and then before that, they start really trying to hedge up top, like, just really trying to take away threes, and even if, like, all right, they are going to end up giving up some twos like they did when Bradford started hunting the matchups off the dribble they wanted and going right at them. So, if if there was any kind of silver lining there in a defensive performance that's not really going to go as a, a good one at all, it's that... Reb only took six threes in, in the second half and made just two of them, and Notre Dame made just enough the of themselves uh, to be able to claw back there from that that nine point lead. Where, uh, yeah, you start zero of seven and you're you know you're giving up threes uh, on the other end. That's how you turn nine points into a double digits and you're you out of it with with five minutes left. But yeah, a defensive performance that you didn't expect from a an old you know veteran team that was the same age as the starting lineup, the rotation, at least, when Hammond is healthy. The POP7 is the same age yeah. as the starting lineup the Atlanta Magic rolled out there on Monday <laughs> night. You expected just a little bit more crispness, I guess, I really on both ends, even from a team that was, like, you know, good enough but still kind of limited on defense last year, just for, you know, a lot of getting beat right off the dribble that you don't really expect to see against a mid-major team.
2: Let me throw in one more basketball thought. I kind of watched the game at times away from the basketball and Radford did whatever they could to be all over Dane Goodwin. Wherever he went, they were fighting through screens. They were not going to let him go for 21 and 10 like he did in the exhibition game. Now he went 1 of 8, but they were really guarding him Hard, But I really think that opened up Nate Lashevsky And, boy, did they need Nate last night, Patrick, with those 28 points and 12 rebounds.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And you saw it from the start. Like, he was really hunting shots and, and attacking guys off the dribble. And, you know, that's kind of a different version of them that we heard was, you know, in the works this off season. That, you know, we, we heard him and, and Mike Gray talk about how uh, one of the is when he was going through the pre-draft process was be more aggressive go take mismatches off the dribble. You're, you're going to play the five a lot. You're going to have centers who can't stay in front on the dribble. You might get guards who are switched on to him that he can beat uh, when he puts it on the floor. And you saw a lot of that, and he took 15 free throws, right? that was getting fouled when he was around the rim, getting fouled on, on rebounds, which he did a few times. And believe it or not, those 15 free throws, that's 30% of his total from all of last year. So that really goes to the aggressiveness idea that you had wanted to see and had... He had kind of uh, hinted that you might see. So, (laughs) absolutely, Notre Dame's going to need that from him a lot, especially as long as Hammond is out, as he's kind of shaken up to be a guy who was going to have the ball in his hands and uh, be a a pretty steady or at least get a lot of chances to to be one of Notre Dame's primary shot creators.
2: Patrick Engel, Blue and Goal Illustrated, my guest on WSBT Radio. All right, let's turn our attention to Notre Dame football for a couple of moments. Let me set up my question by saying this first off, there's a lot of criticism amongst Irish fans. You see it on social media with Notre Dame offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. I'm not in that category. I think he's called some really good games this year. I thought the first half of Marshall was a little off in red zone offense. Needed to get better, and it's getting better. So I'm not really on that bandwagon to to bash Tommy. I I've, I've been more frustrated with quarterback recruiting than play calling. So let me ask you, kind of a A strange question, and I think you know where I'm going with this. Based on who Drew Pine has shown to be the last four weeks, Tommy has made sure this football team has ran the football and they have ran it effectively. As you watch the way Tommy has called the games, and again, based on Drew's limitations, I kind of feel like he's getting as much out of Drew as you can at this particular time. Do you kind of agree with that assessment?
3: I think he's putting Pine in the right spots to get the most out of what he is and yep. kind of mask what he's not. And uh, even within that, I think there have been some throws that it's like, all right, that's still got to be a make. Uh, you saw, like, I'll go back to Syracuse for a minute. There was a screen that he kind of, I think, threw low to styles. Then there was uh, another, I think it was ended up being a screen that he threw away because he couldn't quite ever figure out how to, adjust the arm angle and get it around a defensive end who's coming up field. But then you saw him make that exact same throw, uh, the ladder throw that I talked about, so the very next week against Clemson. So that's the kind of stuff you want to see where it's like, all right, moment that was not comfortable there that it's just not repeated. And maybe that's where some of the, the lower throws that have been pretty easy around the line of scrimmage uh, have been kind of disappointing. It's like, all right, those have to be the layups. You're not asking him to do a whole lot, but when that's the case, you've got to make sure you hit all the layups. And I think there's still a little bit of room to grow there. And I think some of those layups even include, like, when you've got a wide open, like, seam shot for Michael Mayer that's, mm-hmm. you know, if there's no one within four yards of him, that's as wide open as he's going to get most of the time, unless you're North Carolina's defense. But that's another story. So I think Reese has found the right structure to get the most out of the offense when the quarterback might be as. You know, limited or not going to be able to sling it around and go, you know, blow for blow with, uh, you know, a passing offense that wants to throw a lot or has some explosiveness. And I think the more they can get used to that and the more they can kind of get everything possible out of that and maximize that formula and the more they can kind of make it all kind of mesh, the better you're going to be when in the last game of the year when you have to go up against a really good passing offense in USC. So right now, I think they've found at least the right kind of idea to get the most out of an imperfect team and now it's just about maximizing everything within that and making sure all the stuff that has to hit to make a imperfect passing game not cost you make sure it keeps hitting every week which
2: kind of leads me to my next question i think it's pretty remarkable considering how you just evaluated the passing game which i think you're right on they are able to run the football at such an extremely high level. Normally when you have a deficiency that's kind of self-inflicted, the opposition can sort of take away what might be your strength. But right now, Patrick, despite the passing game being very inconsistent, they are running the ball as well as anybody in the country. I think that's pretty telling to how physical that offensive line has been and also the way the running backs have just... Been very patient, waiting for holes, and then, boy, once they see that hole, they're off to the races.
3: Yeah, and really, that's number one of things on the list of, all right, what has to hit to make an offense with a below-average passing game still score and move the ball in the manner that it has in the last couple of games? And it's a run game that looks, you know, borderline kind of elite there. And that's not just, you know, the, the stable of running backs and the different things that those three guys bring and not just a uh, an offensive line that's really, really feeling it right now. But it takes some, a certain creativity and uh, design ability and, and rhythm as a play caller from Reese to keep finding ways to find yards on the ground when everyone knows you're going to run. I think you saw a lot of that in the Clemson game last week where, you know, in, against Syracuse, it was just all up the middle, up the middle, like, you know, not trying to high it. Last week you saw a little bit more try to get to the outside a little bit. You saw Drew Pine keep it on a couple of zone reads there. You saw Notre Dame go even to higher percentages of sets and you know, with twelve personnel with two tight ends and just run duo all the time and even if that was, you know, going more off tackle with one of the running backs. That I thought was pretty good just overall design of like it's no secret what Notre Dame wants to do. How are you still going to find space each week and keep someone kind of guessing with new wrinkles that you kind of unfurl all the way? And that's, I think, what we – what you kind of want to just watch for every week is, all right, how do they plan to go about this and and how do they go about it as as the game unfolds? And you saw Michael Mayer a few times. Like, you know, they use him as kind of a, a decoy where he leaks out of the flat or runs a little route just to take one more guy out of the box. So you, you try to create some better numbers for you. I think we saw a couple of plays where Notre Dame did that uh, against Clemson. You saw unbalanced off lines. Like, mm-hmm. so those are the kinds of wrinkles and we don't know what they are until you see them, but just those kinds of things that maybe you weren't thinking about until you saw them in the game that you want to kind of keep seeing throughout the, the rest of the games here, even though uh, I'm not sure Notre Dame is going to need to really put all the stops to run the ball well enough to win against maybe in Boston college. But You know, those games have been dangerous on before, so, uh, you know, they can't afford to overlook them.
2: Patrick, I referenced your tweet on the show earlier this week, and I'm having trouble remembering the exact number, but you had a tweet that referenced the number of yards Notre Dame ran the football against Clemson on average before contact was made against the ball carrier. Wasn't it something like over three yards before a Clemson player? Put their hands on the ball carrier.
3: I believe it was three point six, okay. and that was a season high. And I'll splash wow. myself here right now, but That's yeah, incredible. going to speak to yeah, absolutely. as much as I just talked about the creativity you kind of need to be seeing every week, that just really speaks to as much as anything else, like what Notre Dame's offensive line is doing and just how you know a lot of the phrase you heard at the beginning of the year when they were struggling was get to the point of where you have five sets of eyes seeing all the same thing and working as one. I think you're definitely seeing that right now.
2: Patrick Engel, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgoal.com, my guest. I guess I feel like when I talk to your colleague Tyler or I read stories about the Notre Dame defense, I think we're all in the same category throughout the year. You watch the defense, you're like, that was really good, but then there was always an, an and-and-but. In the last couple of weeks, well, they've held the opponents under 300 yards, but this team scored this many points or that team scored that many points. It really felt like last week, Patrick, it all came together and that defense put together as good of a performance as you could have hoped against that Clemson football team that looked like they were not going to be able to do anything throughout most of that football game.
3: I agree, and and I think that's a good way to kind of put it with the first eight games there on defense. I guess maybe you can call it seven, but where you notice, all right, they do a lot of things pretty well, but... The high impact plays that can really swing a game, yep. we're just kind of lacking. Whether that was getting red zone stops that force field goals or goal line fourth down stops, goal line fans, whatever it was, of forced no points. The turnovers, just a lack of a uh, you know pass breakups and forced fumbles, all of that. None of that really applied last week. You saw a lot of like the the impact yep. plays. You saw the turnovers, uh, fourth down stop that they got uh, inside the forty there. Uh, Finally, a red zone stop for the first time all year, and uh, a red zone possession ended in anything other than a touchdown for the first time since the Cal game. It's not just a field goal. It's a you know take-six that basically puts the dagger in Clemson. So those are the kind of the impact plays you've been wanting to see a little bit more of. And, uh, I think there were just some signs of it the previous two games where the tackles for loss production was kind of creeping up there, and, and so were the sacks. But the getting stops in the red zone, uh, you know, even being able to get teams off the field on fourth down, get them into third and long, and then bury them on on, on third and long. Like I, I think you saw saw a lot of that. So definitely, kind of heading in the right direction. And maybe it was a little bit of just turnovers and and fumbles to have a, a degree of luck to them, where uh, a lot of the forced fumbles or just other teams just dropping the ball hadn't been bouncing Notre Dame's way until the the previous couple games. And then of course. You don't need to have the, the highest havoc rate or havoc play rate and the highest turnover creation in the country if you're blocking taunts as often as Notre Dame does. Hmm.
2: Let me sneak in two more questions. First off, with Navy being the opponent tomorrow, for me, I'm a little concerned about the first quarter, this team coming off an emotional victory, being on the road, taking on an opponent you see every year that's that's kind of difficult to play in Navy. I'm a little worried about the start of the game. But as you look at this matchup, what stands out to you? Is there anything that concerns you from a Notre Dame standpoint about this matchup with the midshipmen?
3: I look at Navy's run defense, and the numbers are, are generally pretty good, where I believe it's about 3.2 yards per carry. or I know they rank ranked 13th nationally, and it's around there. And Yards per carry can be influenced by sacks and kind of hide how good a run defense is maybe it's kind of just middle of the pack in sacks so they've done a pretty good job with that but they haven't seen a, a run game operation like notre dame's at all they haven't played a, a power five team yet uh, this year and a lot of the teams they have seen especially in conference have been ones that don't have particularly good running mm-hmm. games so this is in the same vein like a a challenge for for them too so you kind of think of like all right is notre dame going to be able to out navy navy just in the sense of what they've been doing recently. not trying to throw the ball too much and really just leaning on that run game and trying to chew up clock and win time possession. They haven't lost the game this year where they've won the time possession. I think they'll be able to end up doing that against Navy, which when you think of how long Navy tries to just keep, mm-hmm. play, keep the ball and play keep away, that's, you know, it will be a legitimate accomplishment to, to do that. But uh, I think you'll still see a little bit of like trying to hit some things through the air, trying to build up Drew Pine a little bit and still make sure you're getting the most out of that even if maybe the ceiling there isn't that high. Because this is not a particularly good uh, Navy pass defense. And you're going to want to probably have as much out of that passing operation as you possibly can and get it to that point by the time you have to go play at USC to end the year, because you might be thinking, all right, there's going to be some moments in that game where you might have to throw the ball. So I think we'll see a little bit of that. Uh, I, my colleague Tyler Hork and I did a, uh, a kind of a, a point-counterpoint earlier in the week of, like, will Drew Pine set – another season low in passing attempts in a start, which he has the past <laughs> two weeks ago said no, <laughs> because it's been 19 against Syracuse, 17 against Clemson. Uh, those were low and then another low. I think we'll see over 20 just in the sense that there's going to yep. be, if you look at how Navy's past defense has struggled, some opportunity to throw the ball. And I think there's still a little bit more Notre Dame can get out of that, even if you know, you're not going to have this high-end passing offense.
2: All right, finally. We are going to wager Tyler Horka's salary at Blue and Gold Illustrated on this. All right, so there's a lot of pressure on you, Patrick. If you had to bet on one of these two happening in tomorrow's game, we're betting Tyler's salary. Pine goes over 225 passing yards, or Notre Dame blocks another punt. Which way are you going?
0: Hmm.
3: (laughs) Yeah, this is is real pressure-filled here. I mean, hey. I'm, I'm wagering enough money to buy 10 Ferraris, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, um,
3: <laughs> now we can uh, have 20 I, if
2: I think, you get this right, so there you go.
3: <laughs> well, I'm going I'm to stay consistent with something that uh, he and I did in another story is we could be just picks and over-unders. We both picked. Uh, one of those props was 0.5 block punts in this game. I took the under just because it's really hard to do that for yeah. five games in a row. So, just by default, I guess I'll go Pine, 225 passing yards, even though it's been a while since he's gotten there. I believe BYU was the last time he cleared that mark, and it's only been over 200 once since then, and it was against BYU when he was barely over. But I'll, go, I'll, I'll take some kind of chunk passing play, whether okay. it's a, a shot for Tobias Merriweather or something breaks down or maybe he just misses a bunch of tackles back there and you get a long catch and run for, and you know, Michael Mayer maybe breaking five tackles and taking a crossing route 40 yards to the house or something. So, and like I said, I think they're going to go over 20 passing attempts. So, okay. it, it's not like Pine will have to need, need to average, you know, 13 yards a, a pass attempt to, to get there. So, I'll go 225, and we'll go 225 on the dot. Okay.
2: All right. Tyler's money should be safe then. Hey, what's happening at Blue and Gold? Illustrated com today and tomorrow.
3: So today you can go check out a story Tyler did on, on Prince Collie and uh, the good. relationship that he has with uh, his one of his uh, mentors and former high school coaches who was a retired uh, lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, and, and Bear, just how tight their bond is and how it's helped both of them through some uh, some tougher times. So I, I highly recommend going and, and reading that. You can find his mailbag column. You can find my Friday Five column. And then throughout all of uh, tomorrow you'll be able to, to see – both of our stuff from the game tyler's in baltimore i'll be covering it from home and we'll be rolling on stuff all day
2: patrick thanks for doing this always appreciate your insight on this notre dame football team and folks as you get ready for tomorrow's game make sure you log on to BlueAndGold.com for the latest on the fighting irish enjoy the ball game tomorrow we'll talk to you soon
3: thanks man appreciate you having
2: me you bet thank you so much patrick engel Covers Notre Dame football, Notre Dame men's basketball. For Blue and Gold Illustrated, the website is blueandgold.com. Coming up next on Budweiser's weekday, sports beat the My Five. Five ways I think the Notre Dame-Navy game will play out. That will include a final score prediction on the midshipmen and the hours That's next on WSBT.
1: One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: All right, it's time for the by-five question of the day, how the Notre Dame-Navy game will play out. In my estimation, we will start with number Ladies five. And
4: this is number five.
2: <laughs> this is what I talked about with Patrick. I'm worried about a sleepy Notre Dame team in the first quarter. Emotional win last Saturday over Clemson. Now you play old Navy, a familiar face. You're in Baltimore. It's an early start. Navy obviously gets up for Notre Dame. This isn't Navy's Super Bowl. That's Army. But this is always a very important game for the midshipmen. So I just hope Notre Dame can match intensity early on in the football game. Four. Another way this Notre Dame-Navy game will play out. I think Navy's going to be okay running the football. But I don't think it's going to be good enough to be competitive in this football game. Navy needs to control the ball. For most of the game with those drives, that sometimes takes seven, eight minutes, and that's when they start shortening the game and they limit possessions for the opposition. Navy teams from the past have been able to do that. I don't believe that this is one of those Navy offenses that can control the game like that. So they're gonna run it okay, but not enough to shorten the game and make Notre Dame fans extremely nervous.
1: Okay, okay. Number
2: three. Just to kind of build on what my guest Patrick Engel was talking about a moment ago, I think the Notre Dame pass game will have some limited success. I think Notre Dame will want to throw the football a little bit more tomorrow. Navy's not been very good against the pass this year. I don't want to make it sound like this is an undercard for the USC game, but this is a chance to build the passing game a little bit. Allow it to be more effective. There should be some opportunities in the passing game against Navy. You know they're going to want to stop the run in this contest. So can you win some one-on-one battles? Can Pine get the football in the right spot with an accurate throw? I think there will be some moderate success in tomorrow's ball game. Enough where I think you can build on that going into the next game against Boston College.
3: Number two.
2: Run the ball at will. The Irish have not been stopped recently. Stanford did a pretty good job against them. Nobody else has recently. October and November, it has been bulldozer football, and I think the Irish go over 200 rushing yards again. I know Navy statistically is really good, but again, look at their schedule. That plays into one of the reasons why they're number seven in the country stopping the run, but they have not faced an offensive line like they will tomorrow, and Harry, he stands bunch.
1: Number one.
2: And my final score prediction for tomorrow's game, I've got the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame beating the United States Naval Academy 31-13. to You can hear the game right here on WSBT Radio. It's a noon kickoff with our pregame coverage starting bright and early at 6 a.m. That's our My Five for today. Coming up over the next half hour, we're going to talk Notre Dame basketball as the Irish opened up with a come from behind win against Radford last night at Purcell Pavilion. And also coming up, we'll get to our sports wagering segment. It is 6.01, Sports Center update on the way on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett from Notre Dame's Compton Family Ice Arena, where the Irish will take on Michigan in a Big Ten showdown tonight. 7.35 opening faceoff, 7.15 pregame on our sister station, Quality Rock, 94.3 FM. I mentioned in the opening to the show, Notre Dame has been struggling Offensively, two goals in their last 194 minutes and 40 seconds. Notre Dame will even be more shorthanded tonight. South Bend native and junior forward Landon Slaggart is out with an upper body injury. Grad student forward Jack Adams is out with a lower body injury. So Notre Dame ding, dump right now. Sligert and Adams out of the lineup tonight. So in comes junior Brady Bjork and freshman Finn Williams. They'll be on the fourth line with sophomore center Tyler Carpenter. So big challenge tonight, taking on number three Michigan, the nation's top offense, and Notre Dame will be shorthanded without two forwards that can do some really good things offensively. Let's talk Irish basketball for a couple of moments. Notre Dame's season opener at Purcell Pavilion last night, a game that moved to 96-1 the ton due to the Marcus Freeman show and Thursday Night Football here on WSBT Radio. Notre Dame was down by 9 in the second half but rallied to win 79-76. to Cormac Ryan, the game-winning layup late in the ball game, to put the Irish in the win column in their season opener. Notre Dame shot 52% from the field, 8 of 22 from the three-point line for 36.4%. Got to the free-throw line 25 times. Very importantly, made 21 for 84%. Meanwhile, Radford shot 46% from the field. 8 of 20 for 40% from the three point line, only got to the charity stripe 12 times, making 8 for 66.7%. Notre Dame and Radford played a very good first half. It was an offensive first half as Radford was knocking down three point shots and had Notre Dame on their heels early on in the ball game. And the Fighting Irish used a six man rotation. Lashevsky played 38 minutes, 44 seconds. Trey Wirtz, 36.05. Cormac Ryan, 38.14. Dane Goodwin, 39.07. J.J. Starling, 31.44. And the only sub was freshman big guy Van Allen Lubin at 16 minutes and six seconds. Mike Bray, head coach of the Fighting Irish, had to sweat it out. They got the win over the Highlanders. And here was his opening statement to the media following that
4: 79-76 win over Redford last night. You know, the one thing that at halftime we had 40, and and it was one of those games where, like, they're really gifted offensively. And just watching them in their exhibition and watching them against Marquette, like, we're going to have to. We're going to have to score to win because we're not going to just stop them now we can get better in some areas and we at least stayed, we stayed away at least they were twos in the second half and, and you've heard me say that before we we were absorbing twos and they made six threes i think in the first half and i'm thinking if they you know if they make another five we can't score that much so you know it's like all right another layup a dunk but i'm like you know that's two, and we did get to the bonus and use that as a great weapon. You know, we, this group, these older guys have been great free throw shooters to use that as a weapon. But uh, you know, it's it's a great test because I think they're I think they're really gifted and they're old, and they know who they are. And uh, you know, we had some guys. And I'm very very I'm very proud of Trey Wirtz. You know, and I told Trey Wirtz the other day. You know, when we knew Marcus would be down, I said, Trey, don't give the position back. Like, take it. Well, he dang sure put an exclamation on it. Like, we're going to need Marcus Hammond when he comes back. But he doesn't need to start. You just take that job. And I'm very proud of him because he's played kind of that seven-man role. And, well, sometimes he played 20 minutes. Sometimes he played 12. And he never really complained about it. And I – I've got a lot of respect for him, and I'm thrilled for him. But he is a calming presence up there with the ball. Like, I'm very calm when he's – and he comes over, and he has great input on, hey, why don't we look at single-double this time? Why don't we – he's really got a feel for us. So, I think it's a big step for him. And then, Lushevsky, go ahead and get 30-15, and baby. Just go get 30-15. and I think he's adjusted his game driving – Getting in there, getting fouled. He's calm. And um, so, you know, again, Youngstown State, Tone Weiss tells me they're as good as these guys. I will, I say, appreciate that. Thanks for telling me that tonight.
2: <laughs> well, there is no question. Notre Dame does not win last night's game without Trey Wirtz's offense and an evolving Nate Lashevsky. Let's start with Wirtz, who entered the starting lineup due to. The grad transfer from Niagara, Marcus Hammond, out for this game and maybe the next week or so due to an MCL injury. Wirtz was plus 16 and plus minus last night, by far the best among Notre Dame players. Seven of nine from the field, four of five from the three-point line, including back-to-back threes and a crucial part of the second half. He finished with 18 points, four assists, three rebounds and two steals that was as good as Trey Wirtz has looked in a Notre Dame uniform and it came at the perfect time with the team needing someone else to score Radford it sure looked like they were not going to let Dane Goodwin beat them they were physical they were all over him Goodwin an uncharacteristic one of eight from the field eight points in the ball a game Got to the free throw line six times, made all six. But a quiet night for Goodwin. But in came Nate Lashevsky as a different-looking player. He was so aggressive on the offensive end in a mismatch. He'd put the ball on the floor, take it strong to the basket. He got to the free throw line 15 times last night. He was fouled 11 times in the game. This is a major, major development. This is a guy that can hit three-point shots, But I love the way he showed a lot of versatility in his game last night. Nate went 7 of 11 from the field, 2 of 5 from the three-point line, 12 of 15 from the free-throw line, 28 points, 12 rebounds, three assists for Big Nate last night. And without a doubt, he and Wirtz, the co-MVPs of last night's ball game. Here's a little bit more. On Trey Wurtz, as Mike Bray has talked about the big three coming into this year, the big three being Goodwin, Ryan, and Lashevsky. he has now expanded that to the big four, adding Wurtz
4: to that group. And he told me, I texted him, I said, I texted him the other night, I said, you know what, old guys, they can, they know how to play through stuff. And Wurtz has really joined them. And I think tonight is an exclamation point. I'm really thrilled with me. He, and you know, Everybody, oh, Hammond's down. I said, you know what, I, I think this is great for Trey Wirtz. I don't necessarily want to be down a real good guard, but Trey Wirtz will take this thing and run with it. And he told me, I texted him, I said, I texted him the other night, I said, you don't, you don't have to give it back, ever. Take it. He goes, Coach, I'll be ready. And he's, he does it calmly. Like that play there at the end, I mean, to read that. Actually, what we were teasing about in there, that's almost the reverse of the Wake Forest play. Right, remember Cormac hit him for the winner and he kinda I said, you kinda paid him back right there, but he dragged it across. We're not gonna call timeout, especially with Trey Wirtz with the ball, because he's seeing stuff. And when it's you know what, when it's chaos, I think maybe we would have an advantage because of our experience. And and we did. Mike Bray
2: on Trey Wirtz in his big performance last night. Well, if you've listened to this program through the years, yeah, I'm that annoying guy that loves to talk defense. I love strong defensive basketball. I think that wins you games in March and, of course, throughout the regular season. And there were times last night where Notre Dame did not have many answers for Radford. They got to the rim too easily with penetration early on in the ball game. Mike switched to a zone, and that slowed down Radford to an extent. The Highlanders went with a lot of pick and roll in the second half, and Notre Dame kept going over the top of the screen, which caused Notre Dame issues, and Radford, because of that, built a nine-point lead. Then Notre Dame started going underneath the screens and had a little more success, but you have to wonder if this six-man rotation as it is right now Has to play a lot of minutes. Are you going to be able to play high-end defense when you have to save a little energy for the offensive end? It's just kind of one of the questions looming coming out of this first game. Here's Mike talking about how the pick-and-roll game of Radford and just overall Radford's older group put a lot of pressure on the Notre Dame
4: defense. Well, I I mean, they... They got out of the gate on us, you know. They got to our paint. We got, we screwed. We got screwed up, you know, trying to go over the top. Then we started to switch, and we probably didn't help our guys as a coaching staff enough with all the action in the middle of the floor with the ball screen, dribble handoff, big guy rolling. I think we got it straight, <laughs> and you're, you know, as a staff, you live and you learn too. I think we got it straight the last four minutes to get enough stops. We just switched everything. Now, Nate was out on a guard a couple times. The dude hit a three. But at least we had bodies on people. And I think eventually we we got a couple stops because when they go downhill with that speed, we're going to see a lot of teams like that. <laughs> now, Zone helped us. We bought a lot of time with Zone in the first half. But um, my feeling was they made six threes. If, we, if we've got to get bodies on people, and if they're driving and it's two, we may score more. And the, tonight was one of those nights, and the foul line was the key because we didn't shoot it great from the three-point line, even though we had some pretty good looks. But to get to the bonus with our drives and then be able to convert, is, that's going to be a weapon for us. we got a lot of guys that can drive and get fouled. And this, that's the neat thing about Leszewski's game, how it's changed who's in there and even if he doesn't have the straight ahead drive he's kind of wheeling a little bit and playing like you know he's playing like he's an old guy up under get fouled you know he, you know he's got a real good tempo and he's expanded his game and
2: there you go Mike Bray talk a little defense and then adds a little offensive conversation on the back end Notre Dame 1-0 beating Radford 79-76 and from the way Mike talked, and from what I understand, Youngstown State is going to be every bit as good, if not a little better, than Radford when the Irish and Youngstown State play on Sunday, right here on WSBT Radio. All right, 625, quick timeout, couple of sports wagering picks as we continue on on this Friday, live from the Compton Family Ice Arena, Darren Pritchett with you, Budweiser's Weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960, WSBT.
0: show me the money <laughs> we go we go with 631
2: at wsbt darren Pritchard with you from the compton eight seven and one so far this week despite a bad night last night going winless let's end the week hopefully with some winners we'll run through these very quickly My final score prediction on Notre Dame-Navy was Notre Dame 31, Navy 13. So that's a win by 18. So I'll take Notre Dame minus the 15 against Navy and go over the 39.5 total points in the ballgame. It's supposed to be windy in Columbus. So I'm hoping Indiana loses by 38. I'm taking Indiana plus 40 at Ohio State. Bama Ole Miss, I think it's going to be a shootout. The Tide and the Rebels over 65 total points. Georgia in the first half, minus eight and a half at Mississippi State. I've got a two-team NFL parlay. Cowboys on the money line, 49ers on the money line, and that is at plus 100. And my seventh pick I have to keep secret for obvious reasons. The reason why Kirk Herbstreit doesn't pick the game he calls on college game day. So that gives you a hint what it is. So I'll have to hope that you believe in me, that I'll be honest, that I made the pick. It's here on paper, and we'll see if it works out or not. All right, Michigan-Notre Dame coming up on Quality Rock 94.3 FM. The pregame comes your way at 7.15 opening faceoff at 7:35. I'm going to sign off for now. Jimmy Rosario will take you the rest of the way to the top of the hour. Hope you have a great evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow 9 to 11 on Game Day Sportsbeat powered by Michelob Ultra. It is 6:33 at WSBT.